Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always it's a pleasure to have you join us today. Now last week's show was something of a bonus in this first series when we took a closer look at funding of our property investments. And this week we'll move a little bit from the um, concrete to the esoteric or if you prefer the fluffy stuff (laughs) as we're going to consider what constitutes the investor mindset. And as you'll hear later on, I'm not pretending to have fully cracked this myself as yet, and, I, and, I, and nor am I intending to come over as some wise yogi, Tibetan monk, or some kind of oracle either. Trust me, that's not me. The idea, though, is to share some things that I have learned and picked up along the way, and in fact continue to learn and apply each and every single day. And I've really enjoyed putting it, putting this episode together, but at the same time, I am actually a little bit nervous in sharing it because um, it's it's often left unspoken. This whole idea of investor mindset. Um, so so I hope you like it. But um, today we have no casa, so we're going to get straight into the meat of things. We've got property chatter. Obviously, that's the main topic. A little bit later on, we've got uh, your voice where we have uh, a voicemail from Julie. And uh, Julie, if you're listening in this week, sorry I didn't get to it last week, but we have got to it this week. And then we've got the shout out where we've got um, a related resource, actually, considering the theme of today's show. So plenty to look forward to. But uh, right now, let's get into it with Property Chatter. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. So this idea of the investor mindset, what exactly is it and do we have it? So as I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm by no means a finished article. I'm not pretending to be so, not making any claims in that respect. Uh, I'm still on my own personal growth journey and uh, even even at my tender age, I hasten to add. But um, I really never stop learning. Um, in fact, I try to learn something new every single day. And uh, my my objective is to beat the course, as they say in golf. I'm not competing against anybody in particular. I'm really just trying to improve on my personal best all of the time. So a bit of a a sport and athletics reference there for you. But um, so I don't I don't come at this as a as a preacher in any way, but more as a companion on the same journey as you, no doubt. So when I was starting to think about today's show, I I was trying to think about, you know, I always try and come up with some sort of analogy or like to come up with some sort of analogy. And the best one I, in fact, I don't even think I can take the credit for this in fairness. Um, Yeah, I'm going to have to come clean. I was talking to, I was talking to my better half and it was her idea when I was trying to explain what it was today. And she said, it sounds like a puzzle to me. And that's exactly what it is. It's, uh, it's a puzzle. So I'm going to, I'm going to call this the investor mindset puzzle, where different pieces, um, fit together to make a complete picture. So if you can have this sort of concept in your, in your mind's eye as we go through the episode, it's probably going to help because I'm going to be illustrating some different pieces of the puzzle as we go along. 
Now, if I can get the tech figured out, I'm going to try and show this a lot more graphically in the show notes than the the, the notes that I've got in front of me right now. But uh, So look out for that. Hopefully we'll get something up for you on the show notes, which looks a little bit more uh, picturesque, let's say, than, uh, than what I have in front of me. But it doesn't detract from the content. Hopefully you're going to enjoy this, but um, uh, just just consider that in a what 20 minutes or so-ish uh, episode in a podcast, I can hardly really do justice to the topic. I know I keep saying that, but it's true. So um, I just want to give you some pointers and uh, some of my observations as much of any, as much as anything else. So over the next few minutes, I'm going to run through each piece of the puzzle, the investor mindset puzzle, and present what I believe to be the the common characteristics or foundations of an investor mindset in each area. Now, there, there probably are lots more that I'm not going to, to touch on today, and that's why I use the word foundations. Uh, I may have missed one or two, that's okay, but um, you know, hopefully we're getting the idea of, uh, of, of what we need to have in place, really, to have a, a long, enduring, and sustainable a career, a career, or if you like, or uh, yeah, career as a, as a property investor. And um, afterwards, you know, perhaps, or, or actually as we go along, perhaps we can evaluate how we're doing uh, ourselves. Um, we can ask ourselves a question, how do I fare? How do I compare to these uh, standards, if you like, uh, these uh, criteria? And I, I know, <laughs> I have to say that obviously in putting together the episode, I, I did note one or two potential improvement areas for myself <laughs> as I went along. So if that's any consolation for you, yep. Yep, as I mentioned, I'm not the finished article, but uh, I do try. Now, some people are going to be stronger or even prefer some of the areas more than other ones. Some some of them are more tangible and some of them are less tangible or more intangible than others. Some are more inward looking and some are more outward facing. So that's going to, you know, um, lend itself to different types of approach, ways of thinking, personality types, etc. But what I'm going to suggest to you is, in fact, that all of them are equally valid. And so none of them in, in isolation or, or having too much of a bias in any one area is, is really going to be that healthy. We need this holistic, this balanced uh, perspective. So I'm sorry if this episode is going to be a little bit fluffy, as I mentioned to you earlier. But um, I really believe in this uh, in this concept. And, you know, it's been a personal uh, growth and development journey for myself over uh, over several years. Um, I wish I'd have started sooner is the only thing I would say. And um, hopefully, hopefully you're going to enjoy it as we as we unravel unravel this puzzle. So um, what what we um, we should be aiming to do, of course, is um, if we do identify any gaping holes or gaps in uh, in some of the the things I'm going to cover, we should at least try and uh, and plug those gaps. And in fact, it's one of my uh, I was recently interviewed by another podcast, and one of the questions was, "What is my best piece of advice that I would give to another investor?" and um, I remember clearly, I was thinking, what, what would it be? And um, it was to plug the gaps. And um, obviously that needs explanation. But, you know, we all all have gaps in some area or another. And so uh, we, we should all be striving to plug those gaps. Now, we can plug those gaps in a number of ways. But here's three ways that I, at least I can mention now that we can go about doing that. One of them is to progressively learn to acquire skills and knowledge to plug those gaps. So there's kind of more classroom-based, theoretical knowledge acquisition, reading, and that type of thing. Then we can have practical application to refine areas through repetition, say. So that lends itself to, you know, hands-on things or trial and error and, and experiential learning, as they call it, uh, putting things into practice. 
and, and I'm using the term and or. So I'm not suggesting uh, we only do one. We can do a combination of these things. So and or partnering with others who can plug our gaps. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's just, uh, you know, ask me to uh, be any good with a hammer or a drill. And I'm sorry, I'm just not going to, you know, not going to get there. It's uh, I don't want to get there. So it makes sense for me to partner with others. So I use the word partner in a, in a perhaps a loose term, but we can e easily apply it in, in a more sort of uh, concrete term as well in literally partnering with other people. So, you know, learning, application and partnering are the, the three principal ways in which we can go about uh, plugging any gaps that we might notice. And, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a good idea to notice gaps. You know, I'm all for continuous learning and development. But as we go through the entire puzzle, we might have what I call a mindset shift, or some people actually use the term paradigm shift. Paradigm is one of those fancy words you probably hear in a, in a university lecture or something like that. But let's keep it to mindset shift. So, um, you know, if we're going to complete this picture, we might need to change is really the conclusion. That might be a little bit of a scary thought, but, but rest assured, everyone can change. Everybody has the capacity to change. Uh, I certainly have been changing and continue to change, but, um, but worry not, you know, that we all have this capacity to change. And the key to change really lies in motivation. So motivation is one of these uh, things that sort of drives us to move from a position of, you know, inertia, as they call it, to change, you know, to, to bring about change in what we are. And, you know, a lot of people say, can't te teach an old dog new tricks. And by the time we hit 40, then we've stopped growing and learning and that sort of thing. And, you know, I just think it's rubbish, frankly. And I think we can continue to learn. We need to have an attitude of learning. But the key is motivation. And motivation comes in different forms. So it can be internal or external. So driven from within or driven from the outside. Um, obviously driven from within means it's uh, it's something inside of us that's making us do something. Something from outside is perhaps a bit like army training where there's a sergeant major screaming in your face that uh, you are going to carry that log through that uh, freezing water etc uh, to get to the other side and um, there's good reason actually why they do that but I'll come to that. In fact actually the next uh, area to cover is pain versus pleasure so it's perhaps a little bit appropriate when I mention army training but uh, pain versus pleasure. Now obviously we do things to either gain pleasure or to avoid pain. Um, a lot of times actually the biggest motivator is to avoid pain, um, believe it or not, but uh, psychologists tell me. But um, you know it's either one of those. And then in, there's a timing issue as well. There's a gradual change or, uh, or shock change. Now the, the shock change might be you've be, you know you, you have a heart attack. And so um, you have to change your diet radically or stop smoking or exercise. And you basically have to do it from that point in time. Um, unfortunately, I've witnessed um, all too many, actually, uh, occasions now, people who've gone through the shock, you know, um, tactic of, of bringing about motivation to change. So, uh, you know, I guess what I'm really saying here is ideally what we would like is a strong internal desire, a pleasure orientation and a gradual application to bring about the change or the desired result. Now, the truth is that instead we often require an external stimulus, um, the threat of pain and the, the shock to take corrective action. So it matters not the if it is the latter, in all honesty, because the good news is that we can create the latter scenario. 
without necessarily having to have a near-death experience or something like that. You see, it's all in the mind. And of course, that's what the purpose of this episode is all about. So without going too far into that topic, you know, let's consider what our motivation is. And uh, perhaps if we have a, a tendency for, let's say, more external motivation, then we can actually, we can seek that out. For example, making ourselves accountable to other people would be an example of doing that. Or we can create uh, in our mind's eye um, a crisis that forces us to to act. So, you know, it doesn't matter so much. What does matter is identifying what causes us generally to be motivated to act and to change. So I did tell you, didn't I, it was going to be a bit fluffy today. So uh, so there we go. So we'll just revisit that a little bit later. Now, what I want to do is, is whistle through, <coughs> whistle? <laughs> whistle through this uh, <laughs> investor mindset puzzle. Uh, and have a closer look at this sort of mindset thing that I've been alluding to. So if you can imagine, I talked about a puzzle. So imagine imagine pieces of a jigsaw. Now, fortunately, it's not a 10,000-piece jigsaw. Well, actually, it probably is in reality when we're dealing with matters of the brain, but I'm a little bit more simplistic. So this is a four-piece puzzle. And uh, the four pieces obviously represent a certain part of this issue of, of, of what we call mindset. And, you know, in, in headline terms, that's... Um, the four pieces are skills and competencies, principles, qualities and characteristics, and habits and routine. Now, you know, you're going to have to forgive me because I might have put one or two in the wrong box, in all honesty, as I put together this episode. I was like, well, I can't that one could fit in that one quite as easily as the other one. So don't get too hung up on the fact that there are four distinct boxes or, or, or pieces to this puzzle. I think what what's most important is the general overall uh, picture that we're creating. So it's more for ease of representation as much as anything else that I've decided to go about it this way. So let's let's have a quick look and start with skills and competencies. Competencies is one of those fancy words they use in in in, uh, in business, really, in corporate land, and it, which basically means skills. So I've used both of them, uh, perhaps to appeal to to different audiences who might be listening. So what kind of skills and competencies from a investor mindset, property investor mindset, might be helpful to us? Well, probably the most obvious one that people might suggest is um, is understanding property. You know, just the basics of property. Uh, you know, and that are things like um, layouts of property and this sort of thing, and just having an eye for it. So, having an understanding of the basics of property, you know, and 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 th- things that affect it, is obviously going to be a skill that is going to help us. And uh, of course, it can it can help us to spot opportunities, but it can also help us to avoid threats as well. Now, you know, as ever, I'm probably not going to do justice to the whole topic. So bear with me as I go through the the points and um, hopefully it's going to give you some insights to explore further on. So basics of property. Now, the, the next one is people skills. Now, we've talked about this a little bit in previous in previous episodes and people skills can come in in two main forms. They can be what I call transactional or they could be more community based. Now, transactional people skills really are all about dealing with an individual uh, or a small group of people uh, for a specific purpose like letting a property would be an example of that or dealing with a mortgage broker 
that's very much transactional. You you engage with that person or those people for a specific purpose for a specific time, uh, and that would be a transactional skill. Um, and 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 that can be quite straightforward, really, to acquire those types of skills. Please, would you do this? Thank you very much. That type of thing. Whereas the community aspect is is perhaps a little bit more engaging, more longer term. Um, you know, a little bit. Um, how do I say? You know, it's, it, 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 it is no, there's no specific end in itself necessarily, whereas there might be with the transactional interaction. So the community might be things like networking. So getting to know people who could help you or you could contribute to in the future. And uh, building these relationships may not bear fruit overnight. So, um, you know, it, it, they, you have to invest, basically. It's like watering plants. So people skills. The next area is to, to be business and commercially minded. Now, I'm pretty sure that I've mentioned this point several times throughout this first series and you wouldn't be surprised to hear me mention it, you know, pretty close to the top of this list. So business mind, business and commercially minded, it's things like marketing, operations, finance and admin. We need to have skills and competencies in each of those areas. We're not necessarily going to be a multinational company with, with sophisticated systems and processes um, you know, in place, but we do need to have a basic grasp of these concepts because it's not a hobby. It is a business. And again, I've mentioned specifically uh, finance and investing property, uh, properties, financing investing principles. You know, I've mentioned that there was a whole uh, couple of episodes, actually, one on investing principles, one on financing and, and, and so forth. So I'm sure that you've got that idea by now. But, um, you know, I've summarized it as understanding what an income generating asset is. What is financial leverage? Understanding the principles of compound growth. Now, these are Potentially complicated financial issues, but the concepts are not that difficult to grasp and um, and we can easily grasp them and hopefully I've helped you to do that over the course of this series. I mentioned just a, a couple of sentences ago, processes and systems. Now, I'm not suggesting we need to be, you know, an IT guru who sets up, you know, a, a series of automated flags and, and, and whatnot, you know, to record what's going on. It's just really a few simple processes and records to keep ourselves organized and that would be very good you know, skill or competency to have. Um, this is possibly one of the areas that I noticed I, I might need to improve upon, by the way, but uh, uh, there we go. <laughs> Just see the environment I'm talking to you in uh, as, I, as I am right now. Never mind, moving on. Um, the other one is uh, is landlord responsibilities. Now, I have to mention this because being a landlord, whether we call ourselves an investor or a landlord, or otherwise, it comes with some some legal and moral codes and responsibilities that we really do need to adhere to. So we need to take it seriously uh, and understand what's involved there. And I guess the last one in this section, as I say, I could probably have mentioned more, but the last one now in, for the purpose of this discussion is to be rational and objective and to remove emotion from decision making. Now, I know we're not all rational and objective and even if we are we're not all the time rational and objective but when it comes to making key decisions as far as our property investing is concerned we should always try and detach ourselves and remain neutral as far as possible as i say it's not always easy but it's uh, it's a welcome characteristic if we can do that so the next piece in my puzzle is what i call or what i've titled principles so we had skills and competencies and now we have principles. So for example, probably a help with the illustration. So an example might be clarity of purpose and goals. So 
knowing where we're headed, our destination, if you like, and to be focused on that, single-mindedly so, perhaps, is a, is a characteristic of a successful property investor, in my mind, at least. Here's one, uh, delayed gratification. <laughs> so it's the idea of bread today or jam tomorrow. And I think, you know, uh, we, we live in a material world and an instant society and, you know, where we can have what we want in touch of a button these days. And it's very difficult to to actually practice this concept of delayed gratification. But it is very much a success principle. And, you know, if we're investing, very simply, that means putting money aside to invest in property for a better future. So that would be an example of how that bears out. Next one is personal accountability and responsibility. Now, we live again in a society where a lot of people are always claiming rights. I'm, I'm entitled to this. This is my right. But we also have responsibilities. And, you know, it's a personal bugbear of mine, actually, if people only seem to look at the rights and then forget about the responsibilities. Now, bringing it back to a more personal level, you know, it it is up to us if, you know, our own success is really up to us. And there's a quote, I can't remember who, who I can attribute this to, I should look it up and quote it in the show notes, but if it's to be, it's up to me. It's just all about personal responsibility and personal accountability. We can't really transfer this to anyone else. And so it's down to us if we're going to make a success of this or not. The next one, next concept is, uh, is self-improvement, learning and development. And uh, I've, I, I put the word growth in brackets. And I mentioned that I'm on my own journey. I continue to learn every single day and I hope I carry on doing so for uh, the remainder of my life, in fact, because I don't want to stop learning. And in fact, I find it magical, you know, things I'm learning all the time. Just this morning, I was uh, reading a book and uh, there's something new that popped out to me in that very first chapter. And uh, I really enjoy that. And, you know, it help, you know, I can apply something new every single day from what I've learned. So self-improvement. The next one is to have a, a good money belief system. Now, what is that? It's all about a good attitude to money, in all, in all fairness. And, you know, a lot of people struggle with this concept, you know, because property investing is seen as a wealth creation tool. And a lot of people have a negative attitude towards money for various reasons, which I can't go into in depth in, on this uh, podcast episode. But needless to say, they do exist and it can prevent us from achieve, achieving true success. So it's this idea that there is abundance and not lack. You know, that um, being wealthy or, or well-off can mean supporting others, not just, you know, being a stooge. And it's not a sin. It's not a sin to be wealthy. But as you'll hear from my personal perspective, um, I do think being wealthy is a blessing, if you like, and that we, as a result, we're in a privileged position and, and we should help other people. So that's just my personal values in that sense. Next point is about positive habits and discipline. It's another area that I looked at and I was like, oh dear, I've got a little bit of growing still to do. Um, I, I've actually been working on this quite a lot, um, particularly in, actually, particularly in the last year or so, uh, with habits and discipline. Um, I've perhaps been a bit negligent in that area, in all honesty. But um, having a good routine of, of habits and discipline, it doesn't sound very sexy, I know, but actually it does pay dividends. And there's a couple of book, book references here that, um, that really reinforce this. And one's the slight edge and the other one's the compound effect, which uh, can help in, in formulating regular habits, which will gradually over time uh, uh, build up and, and compound to a great outcome. And finally, in this section, um, is the word leverage. Now, of course, 
Leverage means different things, as you've heard in the course of this series. So uh, leverage is a, a term that we used in, from an investment principle point of view to leverage money or other people's money to grow our investment and therefore our investment returns. So obviously leverage can apply to money. But equally, and this is a, a concept that a lot of successful people and successful business people use, we can leverage time and skills and experience and a whole range of other resources from other people and organizations as well. And, you know, I, I, I think, um, the, I, I think I might actually refer to this later on, but I'm going to put it in now that, um, those who, uh, those who know how usually end up working for those who know why. And, um, just think about that for a moment. Why and how? So lots of people know how to do stuff, but they always end up working for people who know why. So, um, in terms of leverage, what we can do things ourselves, which there's no leverage involved in that particularly. We can manage other people. We can delegate and then manage other people to do things. That's a form of leverage already. Or we can indeed outsource or give those things to other people to, to work on on our behalf. And that's probably another example of, of leverage to the maximum. So there's the, the, the headings, if you are subheadings, right, in the area of principles. So the next area is qualities and characteristics personal qualities and characteristics and, and and the first one really to start with is one of being positive or optimistic uh, and I've written to myself a, a glass half full mentality now we're not all positive and we're not all positive all of the time in fact I myself have struggled a little bit with you know being a little bit negative um, I don't really consider myself to be uh, a pessimist but I can sometimes, you know, be fall into the trap of being a bit negative about about times, having a negative focus. So it's an area that I've worked on and continue to work on. But being positive or optimistic is uh, is a healthy characteristic to to possess. And indeed, the next one, being solution and action orientated, is as well. And um, perhaps to compensate my my potential lack of positivity. I do believe I've got an abundance of uh, solution orientation in all honesty. I've had, had my back to the wall a few times and, and managed to get out of it by just being action orientated and solution orientated. So maybe I'll compensate, which is, which is a good thing, but uh, doesn't excuse me from maybe not being always positive. So it's, it's this idea of having a can do and a will do attitude. So that's what that really means. Determination and perseverance. Now, um, there's a book I read many years ago. It's a little bit um, religious, uh, but that's irrelevant. Uh, but it's called Tough Times Never Last, But Tough People Do. And uh, if you just think about that quote for a second, tough times never last. Uh, and there's another quote, this too will pass, which uh, which my sister, in fact, uses a lot. And that's why I remember it at this point in time. Um, tough Tough times never last, but tough people do. And it's this idea that we can actually persevere, we can get through things, we, we can be determined. You know, and so, so often we can quit just before the, 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 the win or the success that, that, that we're about to achieve. So having this, this uh, attitude of just keeping on, keeping on is, uh, is definitely a quality that would be uh, well worth having and, and honing. The next one I've got is honesty and integrity. Now, it's one of my core values, in fact, and um, the whole idea of can we sleep at night you know, comes to mind. You know, I like to be able to sleep at night. If you're not sleeping well, maybe there's something on your mind. Um, there could be a lot of things on your mind, but, you know, it's just this whole idea of having an honest approach and being in, having a lot of integrity in what we do. Uh, don't be a slumlord, for example, would be an example, would be a, an illustration of that. Uh, 
And uh, it's funny actually, in preparing the notes for this, and literally on this day as I'm recording it, the um, I, I've just written down the FIFA test. Of course, there's scandal after scandal and corruption and all sorts of things being thrown around about FIFA. And literally, as I've just sat down to record this episode, Sepp Blatter has finally resigned. I don't know why he didn't resign before he got re-elected, because now we're going to have to wait nearly a year before we get a replacement. But anyway, there you go. It's, um, and the point I actually wanted to make is that sooner or later, the truth will out. And I'm sure it will with FIFA, as with other scandals uh, that have happened on a large scale and a small scale too. So honesty and integrity probably laid that point too much. Um, being curious, open-minded and willing to learn. Curiosity is an interesting thing. I think curiosity is a key to learning, uh, in fact. So it's just, oh, I wonder what and what if and how about those sorts of questions. And just having an open mind, just not thinking that can only something can only be done one way. There's many ways in which things can be done, and many different uh, approaches different people can take. Which, uh, sorry, can take, which can arrive at the end result. So you know, it's all about personal development in summary. And to be honest, not everybody is curious naturally, you know, or perhaps has an open mind. So it can be a difficult skill to develop. Um, but the good news is, I wrote down. Or, <laughs> or being willing to follow in another's footsteps or follow another's instruction. And, um, and, th and that really means, you know, submitting to others who are more experienced. And I go back to my army training, not my personal army training, but, you know, the army training example that I illustrated uh, earlier, that um, just being following instruction will make a soldier out of an ordinary man and or woman, you know, just by following instruction. So we don't necessarily have to have this curiosity it helps it, I think, definitely, if we do, because then we're going to seek out knowledge. But if not, then if we know that's us, then perhaps we should align ourselves to someone who we can just hang on to the, you know, the shirt tails of and follow. So the other thing is to work hard. But I, when I wrote down to work hard, I was thinking about this and... Um, I'm not sure if I work hard. I'm like, well, what do I do then? Well, I try and work smart. So work hard or alternatively work smart uh, is what I would summarize as the last point here. And uh, I did make the quote that I alluded to earlier about those who know how end up working for those who know why. So it applies equally in this example as well. So that completes the, the list, if you like, of qualities uh, and characteristics in this, this part of the puzzle. So the, the final piece of the puzzle I want to outline is, um, is often one that gets, you know, a little bit overlooked, you know, um, so it's, it's almost like how, how do you do this? How do you make it all happen? How do you glue it together? And so, um, it's really all about forming good habits and a routine. Uh, so I've been discovering, <laughs> I hasten to add. So, you know, it's, it's again an area that I've had to work on myself to my shame. But, um, you know, so for example, reviewing our vision and goals on a regular basis, having, having this big picture idea and regularly looking at this. Uh, and in the, in the next episode, I'm planning to do a kind of summary wrap up and next steps, um, type of overview. And I'm going to share with you a few of the things that I do. I do now to help me and, and, and reviewing the vision is definitely part of that process. Equally, and again, this, this is, you know, I know we're in fluffy stuff territory. So, you know, you're with me here when I'm going to say reflections and quiet time is the next one on the list. So, but seriously, just having time to focus 
uh, and mentally recharge. Having a break. You don't have to run at 100 miles an hour all of the time. In fact, I would actually suggest by having regular breaks, having refocus, recharge, you know, this time of reflection, is going to help us to run at 120 miles an hour when, when we get back going again. So that's the next point there. The other thing is to maintain good mental and physical health. Now, you know, why is that so relevant? Uh, well, you know, obviously, surely the mental health, you know, having a good attitude and this sort of thing is, is obvious. But physical health, people seem to overlook. Now, uh, you know, just on a very basic level, we want to be able to enjoy the fruits of our labor, don't we? Well into, into old age. So, you know, we need to be physically healthy and mentally healthy and, and arguably spiritually healthy, but that's perhaps taken us down too much of a tangent, uh, in all fairness, for the purpose of this episode. But maintaining that, uh, that physical well-being, that mental well-being is definitely something. And, you know, on a kind of related theme is work-life balance and celebrating success. So there's no point, you know, just, I, I'm being guilty of not celebrating successes and just moving from one project to the next project to the next project. And uh, you, you don't get to enjoy the journey, um, you know, if you do that all the time. So just pause and celebrate, you know, give yourself a little reward. You know, I, I collect uh, sports memorabilia, for example. So at the end of a project, I reward myself now with uh, a signed photograph of, uh, of an Olympic uh, gold medalist um, or, or a sporting icon. It's something I like to do. Um, but the benefit of doing that is it's, it's a relatively small uh, reward, um, but it, it's permanent. And I, every time I look at those uh, images now, it reminds me of some good times some projects completed. So that's just a little tip there. Um, but equally, this work-life balance, and you know, it's not all about work. It's about fun. It's about family. It's about friends. So you know, having the right um, balance. Otherwise, we're not going to enjoy the journey, and we're not going to enjoy the fruits at the end of it. Um, getting a bit more fluffy again. Um, gratitude and supporting others. Now, I, I'm a firm believer in the principle of reciprocity, uh, or if you've seen the film, paying it forward. Uh, might be another way of illustrating that. Um, or good karma man <laughs> might be another way of uh, what goes around comes around in all honesty so um so being grateful having having a grateful attitude for what we do have not being stingy or, or scrooge like and supporting other people who are either beginning or in less fortunate than us as well i think is a good thing to do and um and, and i think you know we should do that as, as relatively privileged people uh, to be in the position that we are Next one on my list is journaling. Now, I've always struggled with this. I never maintained a diary, but recently think I've cracked it. I've, I've adopted a, a principle, which is the, uh, it's taken from the five minute journal. That suits me just fine. About five minutes a day journaling, but it, it helps to clear the mind and transfer thoughts onto paper. And, um, it really helps this point above about gratitude as well. So look that one up. But um, I've got a, a slight variation that I use, but very, very helpful, very, very useful. And I know people go into journaling in a big way. Uh, the next one I've written down is plan, do, review. So basically setting up a cycle where we plan, we do, we review, step by step. And of course, that's going to help us to plan, obviously, but organize and course correct, as, I, as I've termed it. So if things are going right or wrong, we, we can, we know that and we can take either corrective action or we could magnify the benefit if it's, um, if it's going particularly well. 
And the last point, and I do mention, you know, some of these could be interchangeable into other uh, pieces in this particular puzzle. But the last point of them, uh, in this particular ca uh, category, rather, of habits and routine is to study and to educate ourselves. And as Stephen Covey says, to sharpen the saw. So um, there we go. So they're, they're the pieces of the puzzle. Uh, the, the investor mindset uh, puzzle, skills and competencies, principles, qualities and characteristics, and a and habits and routine. So that that's that's kind of how I wanted to to outline it in the purpose of this episode. And and these these puzzle pieces are interdependent or symbiotic, as they say in biology. And there's no use being very very strong in one area or perhaps a couple of areas. What's required really is a balance. Uh, to a, to achieve a, a healthy composition and the ideal end result. So um, I, I, I want to just pause for a minute. I've got a, a sort of short word on a, on a philosophical outlook, if you like, as we're into the fluffy stuff. I'm sure you're with me right now uh, before we leave the subject behind. And uh, just, just pose these questions to you. Which of these polar extremes would you tend to believe in uh, from a philosophical point of view? Do you have a, 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 an attitude of entitlement? or an attitude of value. Uh, so this men mentality is what I meant to say, actually. An entitlement mentality or a value-based mentality. Entitlement means I deserve. Uh, value-based means I, I deliver. Uh, do you have an attitude or a mindset of lack, that there isn't enough to go around, or a mindset of abundance, that there's enough for everybody? Do you have an attitude of get, I, I, this is what I want? Or do you have an attitude of give? This is what I'd like to contribute. And so money and wealth, is it only for evil or can it also be used for good? And you see, what, what I'm really trying to get at here is these are what we call beliefs. You know, once we answer those questions, it's what are our beliefs? And our beliefs will ultimately dictate, dictate rather our outcomes in life. Or another way of putting it is our results. And, um, you know, a psychological model would say that our beliefs dictate our attitudes, our attitudes then govern our actions, and our actions then give rise to the results that we experience. So, in other words, what we've experienced up until now is fundamentally traced back to our belief system, what we believe in. So, by definition, if we want to change those results, then what we actually need to change is our beliefs. And that's the kind of philosophical point that I, I wanted to wrap up this section on, um, if you like. So so what's your per personal philosophy then? I, I know what mine is. I, I was actually going to share it. I've decided to take it out. But uh, what's your personal philosophy? And um, what I'd really like to conclude with under this section is, uh, have I really st have I stimulated you to, to re-evaluate re your current position and uh, your desired course by reflecting on this uh, investor mindset puzzle? You see, for me, property investing is, um, as with any pursuit or endeavor, it's, it's much about personal growth journey and the voyage of discovery, as it is about property, money, and all of that stuff as well. In fact, I go on as far as to say that there's no point in having the money without the journey in the first place. Maybe a profound statement. Others might say, we won't even see the end results without the growth. But I'll let you decide on that, and hopefully it's been helpful. Up next is your voice. It's all about you and your property world. Hi, Richard. This is Julie from Hogarth Property Services in Chiswick. 
Thanks for another great podcast this week. Got a quick question for you. We've got a couple of investors we're working with down in Ashford in Kent, and they've asked about the possibility of using their pension to purchase property. Um, They're not at the uh, ripe old age of 55 plus yet, so they've heard that um, you can use a SAS to invest, and, and we've heard something about this, but we don't know all the details, and we just wondered whether you can give us any more information. Thanks very much. Bye. Well, thank you very much for raising that question, Julie, from Hogarth Property Services in Chiswick. And uh, pensions invested into property before normal retirement age is fundamentally the question. Uh, Before I begin, I should say I'm not a financial advisor and uh, therefore I'm not going to give any financial advice. And so everybody, uh, you know, including your investors from from Kent, should consult with their own professional advisor before doing anything else. But I will explain what I understand to be the case. And so essentially... If uh, someone has got a pension, well, a pension wrapper, such as a SAS or a SIP, which I'm not going to elaborate on, but basically they're the qualifying pension wrappers, then yes, it is possible to invest in some types of property. Yes, for sure. Uh, But what there are some rules. And so it's not permitted to invest in residential property, only in commercial property is definitely one of the rules. Uh, Now, it can be invested into... um, uh, commercial property which is then converted into residential property for example a shop into a house um, but it must be disposed of from the from the pension ownership as soon as it's been converted so that would be a, a clear exit plan in that case now a, a pension fund can also uh, use leverage now this is something that might be interesting so you can use leverage through two main re- two main routes rather one is tax credits from you know, courtesy of Her Majesty uh, uh, Revenue and Customs, I was going to say HMRC. And the other one is that the a pension can actually borrow money as well. Uh, in this case, it can borrow up to 50% of its fund value. So two forms of leverage, which is, which is potentially attractive as well. But as I mentioned, it can only be invested into commercial property. However, there's a slightly, there's a slightly different take, um, which is a slightly indirect route and that um, a pension fund can actually lend money to another unconnected person or company. So that could be a property developer, for argument's sake. As as I mentioned, it has to be unconnected, uh, and it would be a loan for the purposes of that property developer doing works, etc. And of course, there'd be a return or an interest rate on that loan. So that's an indirect way in which they could could invest their money. So that's it, really. Um, I think the, the key word is really to get professional advice from a, a pensions expert in particular or an IFA in general. So thanks a lot, uh, Julie. I really appreciate you posing that question. And good luck with your property business down there in Chiswick. And I hope, hopefully I'll see you soon. And now, where you can go for more great resources with a shout out. So today's shout out, as I mentioned at the beginning in the introduction to the show today, is related to today's topic. And you're going to see why as I explain, because it's a book reference, um, but it's The Millionaire Master Plan by Roger James Hamilton, or Roger Hamilton. And um, yes, it is a book recommendation, and it is about um, entrepreneurship and, and, and wealth profiling and this sort of thing. So you see, it is in the region of business and, and, and mindset. But what uh, the reason I'm particularly recommending this today in today's episode is that just by buying this book, you actually get to take uh, a test. And this test measures your uh, what he calls your type of genius. And there are four types of genius. There's a dynamo, a blaze, a tempo, and a steel. And um, so you've got to take a test. 
in fact, there's a second test as well, which is where you are on his nine—I uh, think it's nine-point lighthouse scale of well of uh, of entrepreneurship. I guess you forgot what it's called, but basically, where you are and where you can progress to as you go along. So two tests in one, in fact, and effectively, it's all for buying the book. And and these tests, these types of tests, they're often up, you know, around about a hundred pounds to take. Uh, I think Wealth Dynamics is one, but just by buying this book. You actually get to to take the test, take these tests, and understand what type of profile you are, just for the cost of uh, of what is actually a very good book. Uh, I have no hesitation in recommending the book in its own right. So there we go. So there's today's shout out, and um, and really just wanted to sort of uh, point you in a direction that might be help uh, helpful to you in this whole issue of mindset. So there we go. So we've had, you know, quite an interesting uh, topic today, I think. You know, it's a, it's a topic that's not often you know, covered from a property investment point of view, this whole idea of mindset and the way that we set ourselves up and think. Uh, so hopefully that's been useful to you. I've got uh, another uh, episode in this uh, first series that I'm planning to cover next week. And uh, so hopefully you look forward to that and will join me again on next week's show. In the meantime, of course, all of the show notes and hopefully a nice graphical representation of my investor mindset puzzle will be over on the, the propertyvoice.net website. So go over there, have a look, drop in a comment. Love to hear more from you. But as always, thanks very much for listening. And for now on the Property Voice podcast, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.